A dog barks when his master is attacked. I would be a coward if I saw that God's truth is attacked and yet would remain silent. John Calvin. No, I do not. And don't you ever say I did. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. <laughs> There's probably a, a balance between, I believe you have to know Christ, but I think no. He is. And someone knows this for sure. All of mankind is going to end up somewhere in heaven. My mission really is to just help people of faith, especially, to re-examine this issue, to realize the church has got things wrong in the past. For those who are gods by faith in his son. Right? 2 Corinthians 317. That's the whole victory in the name which is above every name. No exception for rape or incest. Uh, it's an extreme. Right now, bones, ligaments, tendons, in Jesus' name. Get out here right now. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Master's Dog, episode 96. I'm your host, Norm, the Master's Dog Dunham, a.k.a. the Evangelical Norm. So the Master's Dog is a podcast that I do dealing with false teachers, uh, false teachings, false doctrines, uh, false churches, uh, you know, whatever is false out there that comes up against God's word, against God's truth, as, as God's truth is attacked, I bark. I, I would be a coward if I remained silent listening to people attack the truth that God has revealed to us through his word. Um, and so we do this, and it started out with, um, just kind of completely lost my train of thought there for a second. Uh, I started it out dealing with the LDS uh, podcast, the Mormon podcast. At the time it was called, well, at one point it was called Three Mormons. Then, you know, when Russell Nelson got the revelation that they shouldn't be called Mormons anymore, they changed it to Saints Unscripted, and they started a segment of the podcast called Faith and Beliefs, which David Snell, one of the... the uh, creators, I guess you would call him on their podcast, uh, created the only scripted portion of the Saints Unscripted. 
And he started going through the articles of faith. They started with the 11th. Then they went through the other 12 articles of faith. And my desire was, I want to respond to those because you don't really get a lot of articles of faith out of the Mormon people. They don't, it's not their go-to thing. Uh, So to get that and to be able to respond to those things and show how they didn't line up with biblical Christianity was my, my goal. So I was thinking it would be like 13 episodes, something like that. Well, they continued on with more episodes of Faith and Belief. And I said, I will respond as long as they do this segment of the podcast, I'll respond to it. So at the time it was called Faith and Beliefs Refuted. And then down the road when I decided I really wanted to start dealing, I think it was something popped up with Paula White or someone else, just something ridiculous. And I'm like, I got to deal with this. Let's change the name. And so the the Calvin quote, um, that was the inspiration for the name and so on. So I began just dealing with all kinds of false teachers. So all that being said, just a little intro to the podcast for you. Um, This week we are back with our friends from Saints Unscripted. We are back with David. He is going to talk about... and. A lot of the more recent episodes of Faith and Beliefs have been things that are, are just kind of, eh, they're, they're not that big of a deal. This one, again, is not the, the that big of a deal. I know there are a lot of evangelists and a lot of apologists that like to jump on this issue that Mormons don't use crosses. There are no crosses on their buildings. There's no crosses around their necks, any of these things. And there is a group of uh, a, a school of apologetics or a school of evangelism that likes to use that to show this is why you're not Christians. Well, wearing a cross does not make me a Christian. Having a cross on our building does not make us Christian. Um, these are it's a symbol that we use. Yes, granted, I understand the the importance of the cross. That my only boasting would be in the cross, so that I do not boast in my own. Uh, strength or works or any of those things, paraphrasing um, the the scripture there a little bit. But this is not something that we would use. This is not something, an argument I would ever use against an LDS person or in a conversation with an LDS person to try to convince them that Mormonism is not Christian. It's just not. It's, it's, it's a, a, a pretty weak argument. So the fact that David is actually today going to talk about why Mormons don't use crosses, it just makes me feel like more and more like they're running out of material for this segment of the podcast and they won't be doing it for much longer. Um, I'll continue to do the master's dog and I will find other things to respond to and so on. But I really think that faith and beliefs is, is going to go away because they're just running out of material and things to talk about. But since uh, David took the time to uh, make a, a video this week and talk about why Mormons don't use crosses, we will take the time to listen to him and respond the way we do every week. So here is David Snell from Saints Unscripted with why Mormons don't use crosses. Hey guys, so if you visit a Latter-day Saint church building one of these days, you might notice that while Christ is at the center of our worship services, we don't have any crosses. Stop stop if you go visit an lds church one of these days go ahead i mean i won't tell you not to it's not a it's pointless it's an exercise in futility you will not find that christ is the center of their worship jesus gets mentioned at the end of every talk at the end of every prayer 
We say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. If that is me, him being the center of their worship service. Now, now, granted, I haven't been in a Mormon church in a lot of years. Um, I left Mormonism a long time ago, but my experience growing up and my experience growing up is going to be much of what I respond to this with. Um, Jesus was not the center of our worship services. I mean, even in the, the, the sacrament that they do, the bread and the water, Jesus isn't really that much the center of that. I mean, they say, they say their prayers. Oh God, the eternal father, we ask thee in the name of thy son, Jesus Christ, to bless and sanctify this bread to the souls of all those who partake of it, that they may do it in remembrance of the body of thy son. They may witness unto thee, O God, the eternal Father, that they do always remember him, that they have his spirit to be with them, and blah, 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 blah. And if you don't do it right, you have to do it again. It's a very formulaic. Same thing with the water. He's mentioned a few times, but there's no, I mean, they don't, we, when we do communion, we talk about the night that Jesus was betrayed and he took bread. We talk about Jesus. We don't just talk about the bread and the water and just ask to bless and sanctify it. Right, the prayers of of Mormons uh, in their sacrament meeting are more about them than they are about Jesus. The talks are more about them than they are about Jesus. The testimonies are more about them than they are about Jesus. I want to bear my testimony. I know the church is true. I know that Joseph Smith was a prophet. I know that Ezra. Ezra Taft Benson was the last prophet when I was a member of the church. And so he was, we would be the one. And it, it is, it's, it's that trance-like thing. I mean, you immediately go. I couldn't even try to say Gordon B. Hinckley because he wasn't a prophet when I was. And I, every time I bore my testimony, it was Ezra Taft Benson. So no, that, that's not true. Jesus is not the center of their worship anywhere. And the cross as a symbol of Christ and his atonement is quite popular among other Christian faiths. So why don't we use it? Let's talk about it. All right, so you don't see many Latter-day Saints using the cross as a symbol of their faith, largely due to a long history of cultural factors. You uncultured swine! There's absolutely nothing wrong with using the cross as a symbol of your faith in Christ. There's no doctrine in our faith saying that crosses are bad. You won't get kicked out of our church for having a cross. Guess what? I have a cross in my office. And just like other Christians... Let me just point out, that's not a cross, that's a crucifix. And there is a difference. There, there, there is a difference. I mean, it may be minor, but there's a difference between a cross and a crucifix. And, and you get more, more in the, I don't want to say fundamental, but uh, that's a good word. Not eccentric, not in some outspoken Pentecostal, I don't even know if I would call them experiential groups. Um, just very outspoken in the Pentecostals are, are very much the ones that will make that distinction between crucifix and cross. Um, and the difference being Christ is still on a crucifix and they, they want to make that, that extreme. Now I recognize there is a, a definite difference between Catholics, Roman Catholics and, and evangelical or Orthodox Christians. I do believe that Roman Catholicism is heterodox. Um, well, heterodox at best, heretical, it's heretical. 
It is not a Christian faith. It is outside of orthodoxy. We won't even go for heterodox. But the whether or not Christ is on the cross is not the determining factor of that heterodox or that uh, unorthodox practice of Roman Catholicism. It's the Marian worship. It's the salvation by works. It's all the different things that, um, you know, the Pope being uh, ex cathedra or all of the, the traditions and stuff like that. So again, that is, uh, that's a, but it is a distinction. There, there is a, you know, Jesus was on the cross. He came off the cross. He went to the tomb. He rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven. He's there interceding for us now. All those things, Jesus is not still hanging on the cross, still making that sacrifice. He made the sacrifice once for all. It's why we don't consider the communion to be the Eucharist, the actual transubstantiation, the body and blood, the re-sacrificing of Jesus Christ every time they have mass and, and give the Eucharist. We recognize communion is the symbolic uh, elements that represent what Christ did. And in doing so, we remember what he did for us until he comes again, until he comes with his second coming and, and we, you know, we get to eat and, and drink wine with him at his banquet table, right? So there is a difference. Um, yeah, so let David continue on. Faiths, we believe that Christ's death on the cross was part of his atoning sacrifice. We've got artwork in our buildings depicting the cross. We sing about the cross. Our scriptures talk about the cross, and our leaders teach about the cross. Traditionally, when people ask why we don't use the cross as a symbol of our faith, Latter-day Saints generally say something like, well, the cross reminds us of Christ's death, and we prefer to focus on the resurrected living Christ. But we also recognize that there's nothing wrong with remembering Christ's death. We do it each week with the sacrament. And we also recognize that in many faiths, the cross is more than a symbol of Christ's death, but rather of his resurrection and atonement in general as well. And as it turns out, the cross actually was a symbol used by Latter-day Saints for a long time in the early years of the church. One of Brigham Young's wives, Amelia Young, is seen here wearing a cross. This cross is on the gravestone of Latter-day Saint leader B.H. Roberts. This is the anchored cross at President John Taylor's funeral. The cross appeared on the spine of the 1852 European edition of the Doctrine and Covenants, and for a time a cross was even set up as a pioneer tribute in Emigration Canyon. It appeared as tie tacks on men's ties and watch fobs on men's vests. It appeared on cattle as the official LDS church brand. Crosses were on church windows, attic vents, stained glass windows, and pulpits. They were on gravestones and quilts. In fact, on May 4, 1916, the church itself, through presiding Bishop Charles Nibley, made a fascinating proposal to the Salt Lake City Council, requesting the privilege of erecting on Ensign Peak a suitable cross, the symbol of Christianity, as a memorial to the Mormon pioneers who first established here that which the cross implies. We would like to construct it of cement, reinforced with steel, of sufficient dimensions that it can be readily seen from every part of the city. Reactions to the idea were mixed. Some people believed that setting up a religious symbol on public land was a violation of the separation of church and state. City leader Carl Sheed thought it was a great idea, that the Mormon church, which has so frequently and so unjustly been accused of not being a Christian church at all, should volunteer to place Christianity's most sacred emblem on Ensign Peak, is to my mind an event of first importance. The cross is a common heritage. It belongs to all of us. Others disagreed, saying the cross was specifically a Catholic symbol, perhaps partially reflecting some of the anti-Catholic sentiment shared by a lot of Protestants in that era. One prominent Latter-day Saint, James Stewart, 
Timothy. Not that James Stewart. Noted that while he was prejudiced against the cross, it was also a symbol Protestants might look upon with contempt and as a victory for Catholicism. You may not... And again, that's the differentiation between crucifix and cross. I mean, Protestants have never had a problem with the cross. Crucifix, yes. Cross, no. I mean, it's it's... It has been a symbol of Christianity for centuries. And so, again, that that's kind of a not... there. There's an, a misunderstanding of Christian tradition on, be, on the part of the Mormons. And again, the fact that they used it early on in the church, there came a point where they stopped using it. And it became almost a vampiric uh, rejection of the cross as I was growing up, you know, and he'll get there and I'm going to let him finish. There's not a whole lot that he says through here that I need to respond to, but once he's done, we'll get to the end. We'll take a look about, um, what some of the things were that they said about crosses, um, at different points in time in LDS church history, and then we'll, we'll wrap it up. So may not have known this, but after the Protestant Reformation, the Reformed churches resisted such use of the cross until the 20th century when ornamental crosses on church buildings and on communion tables began to appear. Long story short, for whatever reason, the Ensign Peak Cross was never built. Relations between Catholics and Latter-day Saints were periodically rocky through the first several decades of the 1900s, which didn't bode well for the potential continued use of the cross in our culture. Over time, you start to see how these strained relationships sort of reinforced the idea that the cross was a Catholic symbol, and it started to fade away in our culture, especially as these perspectives were voiced by leaders of the church. For example, in 1957, the presiding bishop solicited President David O. McKay's thoughts on jewelry being sold to young women that featured the cross. McKay's reply was that the cross is purely Catholic, and Latter-day Saint girls should not purchase and wear them. To him, the cross did not represent our faith. And while relations with the Catholic Church have improved significantly over the years, this idea that the cross does not represent our faith has stuck around. But ultimately, the meaning you take from the cross depends on the meaning you attribute to it. As we've just seen, symbols mean different things to different people at different times. For some past Latter-day Saints, the meaning they gave to the cross stopped at, this is a Catholic symbol. Some even thought it wasn't a Christian symbol at all, but a pagan Roman symbol of execution. The cross is a symbol of the cruelest kind of torture and execution that the Romans could devise. In 1975, President Gordon B. Hinckley popularized the paradigm that for us, the cross is the symbol of the dying Christ, while our message is a declaration of the living Christ. But ultimately, whether you're a member of our faith or not, if the cross is a symbol for you of Christ's love for humanity, his death, resurrection, and atonement, that's awesome. If you prefer to use a different symbol or no symbol at all to represent your faith, that's cool too. This was probably more information than you ever wanted to know on the subject, but there it is. Check out the resources in the YouTube description for more info on this subject, and have a great day. So yeah, David, that's actually a very true statement. That was more information. But I mean, I had the information. I, I, it's different now. Again, none of these things were, were issues. When I was growing up, it wasn't that the cross was a Catholic symbol. When I was growing up and people talked about the cross and people would ask Mormons why you don't wear a cross and stuff, the response that was given was, well, if Jesus was killed with an M16, would you wear it around your neck? Or if somebody was you loved was killed with an M16, would you wear or the electric chair? And it's like, well, first, 
if Jesus was killed in an electric chair or an M16, he would not be the Messiah because it is specifically prophesied of how he would die. His, his feet and his hands would be pierced. Um, his side would be pierced. He would be hung on a tree. The, all these things that were prophesied about his death. So that's kind of a moot point, but it's also a, a, a wrong attitude. And, and so they're like, it's just an execution symbol. And, and this is how Jesus, and that was what it was. There was literally a, a vampire like hatred of the cross when I was growing up and I was LDS. So, you know, through the, um, eighties and early nineties, this was the, the attitude of the cross. It was the execution and we would never wear the, this, if, if someone I loved was killed with this and blah, blah, blah. I mean, at the time I actually had jewelry that had like Uzis and stuff like that. I mean, I was, it was the gangster rap thing and they sold a lot of that stuff in the military bases where I was and I thought it was cool and I wore it. So, um, there's a couple of things I was trying to find it and I can't, I thought I knew where it was in here. I'm looking at, um, McConkie's Mormon doctrine. Um, I thought there was something in here where they talked about why crosses weren't, um, used. Um, but I can't, it's not here and I can't remember where it was, but there was essentially something to say that, um, that it didn't, it didn't line up with the true attitude and, and reverence of, of worship of God to, to contemplate. And, and like Hinckley said that we don't contemplate, we don't rest upon the, uh, the crucifixion or the, the death of Christ, but they, they talk about the living Christ and, but the, the issue is, is the, the LDS Christ never exist, existed, right? He's a false Christ. He's, he's, a, he's a counterfeit to the true Christ. And we do. I mean, we are called to every time we gather as believers in Christ, we are called to remember his death until he comes again. We are, we are told scripturally that we should uh, practice, we should partake of the elements of communion, um, Whenever we gather so that we can remember his death, that is why we take communion. That's why Mormons should be taking sac sacrament to rem remember his death, the, the sacrifice that was made on our behalf, that if we repent, we put our trust in him, that he is faithful to forgive us of our sin. And so that is why we remember and we, we I don't know that I would say we dwell upon but we remember what G what it was that Jesus did for us. And yes, we, we, we remember the, the resurrection, which is the, the sign that the sacrifice was accepted and he truly was God. He laid down his life and he took it up again. Proving that he was who he claimed that he was and assuring us that the sacrifice that he made was sufficient. You know, again, I wear a cross... I wear a cross, I wear an empty cross, because this is the altar upon which the sacrifice for my sin was made. Now you could, well, why would you wear an altar around your neck? Because it causes me to remember. I mean, I've heard people say things like, well, Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. Wearing it around your neck is not what he meant. <laughs> Let's just establish that. But again, we have this, and if you look at what the, the requirement by the law for the sacrifice for sin, 
was that the 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 four horns the priest had to anoint the four horns of the altar when they when the the sheep was laid upon the altar the four horns the four corners had to be anointed with the the sheep's blood and it had to be done by a high priest well who is our high priest christ is our high priest he's a priest after the order of melchizedek forever right he's our high priest how did christ anoint the four corners of that well it, there was help given through the roman soldiers his feet were pierced his wrists were pierced so we have these these corners of the altar but what about the top how did that how did that get anointed with the blood of the sacrifice crown of thorns so what the romans thought they were doing in mocking christ and put pushing those thorns down upon his head was actually fulfilling a requirement of the law, causing him to bleed and anoint that fourth horn. It says that the blood had to be poured out at the side of the altar, the Roman soldier piercing his side and pour his blood pouring out. All the things that were required of a sin sacrifice were accomplished on the cross. This is literally became the altar upon which the sacrifice for my sins was made. So that's why I wear a cross. I mean, it, it, again, you can, all kinds of things people say about it. It's a silent witness. It's this, it's that. It ultimately, it is the only place, the only thing in which I can boast is in, in the cross of Christ. And that that is where my salvation comes from. And it's not of any of my own works and not of any of my own doing. It's all through what Christ did for me. And I can boast in that. I can say this was done for me and if you will repent and believe that will be made effectual for you as well. And that is why we use that at all times when we preach the gospel. We preach the gospel at all times and we use words because they're necessary. Until next week, Soli Deo Gloria.